Hello, Adam here, host of the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. I hope you're well. The show is sponsored by Scene Stealers, international convention agents, and is part of the Scene Stealers Retro Podcast Network. Link is in the description. This interview with Bob Gale was a video interview. This is the audio taken from that video interview. If you would like to see the full video, it's on my Facebook page. The link is in the in the description. Thank you. Okay, one of you guys is Adam, and who is the other guy? Okay, so Bob, I'm Adam, I'm the host of the show, but I asked my uh, buddy Jack to dial in as well and join in the conversation because he's a massive fan as well. So I hope you're Jack. okay with that. Jack, sure. Yeah, I can see that he's a massive fan based on... <laughs> he's a bigger Charles. fan than me, clearly. <laughs> So thank you so much, Bob. Honestly, like Jack said before, same goes for me. This is a when I started the podcast um, a couple of years ago, your name was very high on the list of guests that I wanted to get on the show, um, and, and you're definitely a bucket bucket list guest. Grown up with the movies, thank, thank Michael Class, thank Michael Clasterin because he has yes. highest regard for you, and he said, "Oh, you need to be talking to Adam." So um, <laughs> the He's the reason that this is happening. He's a good guy. I love Michael. And yes, um, I have a lot to thank him for. This, is, this isn't the first time he's helped me out with a podcast. Um, so if you're watching, Michael, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so, Bob, um, say Jack and I had a DeLorean time machine <laughs> and we wanted to maintain it, keep it running nice, keep it going well. Uh, could you recommend any literature that would be able to help us out with that? Very, very nice segue there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as just by coincidence, by coincidence, we're talking about that book right there. Yeah. The Haynes, Doc Brown's Haynes DeLorean Guide, uh, which tells you almost everything you need to know. Um, <laughs> and I like how... Cleverly decided <laughs> to redact uh, certain information to make sure that the secrets of time travel do not fall into the wrong hands. <laughs> yeah. And this is, the, this is the first Haynes manual I've ever owned, Bob. Um, I'm, I'm not a petrol head, uh, but this is so much more than a, a, a Haynes manual, isn't it? Right. It's uh, we've got a nice little introduction from Doc Brown. We've got some um, uh, Doc Brown's journals from 1946 and 1985, which is crammed full of some nice little uh, Easter eggs as well. Um, not just to do with Battle of the Future. How? Uh, whose idea was this? Was it your idea? Was it Joe's idea? Or actually, did come to you? the idea for the book actually originated with uh, uh, Inside Editions. Uh, right. Chris, Chris Prince, the, who, was, who was our book editor there, and he was the editor on Michael Clastron's book, um, Back to the Future, the Ultimate Visual History. Yeah. Uh, and he called me up one day and he said, uh, look, we've done these Haynes guides on um, Marvel vehicles and on Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. and the DeLorean is just a natural 
uh, to take this treatment. So, uh, so he sent me, he sent me these books and I looked through them and I thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. And, and, and they had some little post-it notes in there in the Ghostbusters manual from uh, the characters. So I said, well, what if we um, interpolated, in, incorporated Doc Brown's journals into this? So Doc can be talking about how he invented time travel, how he invented the DeLorean. And we can also fill in some of the holes that fans wanted to know uh, what happened, for example, when uh, Doc left Marty at his house at the end of the first movie and headed to 2015. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, he's back uh, <laughs> saying something's got to be done about your kids. What, what actually happened there? How long was he gone and so forth? And what happened uh, when he first went back to the Old West? And how did he set himself up as a blacksmith? Uh, and, and all the machinations that went to hiding the car in the Delgado mine and everything like that. So all that stuff is in this book, in addition to all the tech geek stuff where uh, everybody wants to know, okay, what, so from now on, we don't have to call uh, the hockey puck shaped things that are on the side of the car. Those, you know, those hockey puck shapes. <laughs> yeah. Now the particle accelerator canisters. <laughs> the, uh, the, the unit that's on the very top of the car where the where the, the, the bolts shoot out, that's the tachyon pulse generator. So Joe Walser and I uh, took it took an afternoon and we went through a whole bunch of the parts and we came up with names for everything and uh, we thought about, well, okay, what would this thing actually do? Um, does this relate to the time machine? Does it relate to the nuclear reactor? And there is an actual uh, logic uh, to what all the parts are and what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, whether uh, when you build this yourself in your garage and you do all this stuff, whether your time machine will function as Docs did, that's another thing. <laughs> well, I don't think it would because like you said before, that's, I really love in the introduction, I don't want to spoil the book for people who are, who are going to read it, but uh, in the introduction, like you say, uh, he explains why there's no patent for the flux capacitor. Uh, he also explains that some of the critical information in the book is um, false, yes. so, that, so that we can't build a time machine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, I actually texted Joe if he wanted to get involved with this conversation, but he never he never answers his texts. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, uh, Joe's been uh, Joe's been dealing with some personal issues, I believe, and he just is has been kind of under the radar for a while. Yeah, I know. I, well, but, he's been mega me, busy with this. I know that. Let me just give him a shout out because this book would not be anything like it is without what Joe brought to the party here. Yeah, I mean. He knows more about the DeLorean probably than any person on earth yeah. and all the technical illustrations, all the computer uh, illustrations. He created all this stuff with his team of guys. And uh, I will say that it truly exceeded my expectations, the quality of, of what he turned in. Yeah. Uh, it, it just knocked everybody's socks off. It's amazing. Uh, and I can remember him sort of talking last year. He said something on Facebook that he was, 
he'd been working on something really, really hard, uh, and it was it turned out to be this, and he's done an absolutely incredible job uh, because it's not just the time machine, the Lorian time machine in here. There's the time train, uh, hoverboards, and um, there's other stuff as well in the book. So it's incredibly, incredibly comprehensive and detailed, isn't it? You wouldn't expect anything less if it has the name Back to the Future on it, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and you mentioned but you, things like you've been spoiling us, Bob, with things like this over the last little while. Um, you mentioned um, Michael's book before, um, which was uh, revised um, to include the um, uh, the musical and other things in it as well. Um, so we've been really spoilt as fans. Uh, when's this? When does this book come out? Because it's not out yet, is it? The book is released. Uh, the official release date is March 30th. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's available. I, I didn't see it listed on Amazon UK. Uh, the last time I went on there, and that was about a week or 10 days ago. Right. So whether that's going to be rectified or not, I don't know. Or whether uh, the UK fans are going to have to order it from, uh, from uh, the States. Um, uh, somebody ought to be listening to this and thinking, oh, yeah, wait a minute. we got to get a shipment of those books <laughs> over to the UK and... Uh, uh, you know, make it make it easy for everybody over there. Well, I, I hope it does come on uh, Amazon UK because the postage from the states uh, I know, it's cool. is yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's very very expensive, shall we say? Yeah, yeah I, I'll. You know what? I'll uh, I'll stir the pot on that a little bit and see if there's anything I can do on my end to, to uh, you know light 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 a fire under their butts. <laughs> <laughs> so, Have you so, got? Yeah. Sorry, Jack, sorry, so, so yeah, Bob, I mean, even uh, me as a super fan, I'm still fascinated that oh, this, this far along after the trilogy, there's still stuff that comes out that just it's just so new, so current, um, and there's still stuff to be found out about the trilogy, like, like with this new book. Um, so what, from my observations, um, kind of post the movies, there's been a very clear division between kind of canon uh, material, which is like the comic books, the, the, tell, the, um, the Telltale game, and the sort of visual history, which is more kind of factual. Would you say that this is a sort of crossover between both? Um, and what was that? Was that deliberate? That, that that's oh that's sure, kind of yeah, yes. Um, and in fact, uh, when you read this book, you'll find that um, a lot of the ideas and stories and so forth uh, that were established in the in the comic books and in the Telltale game uh, are here. Um, you know. Nice. Uh, in, it was in the Telltale game that we decided that that Doc Brown's father uh, would be a judge, and and that is carried over into this. And if you read the story uh, in the comic books about what happened when Doc first arrived in 2015, mm -hmm. um, those elements are in the book too. So um, as as you know, I mean, I've been supervising everything, of course. So. As we put all this together, um, yes, it does make sense for us to have, you know, sort of a, a canon, if you will, uh, a, a specific sort of through line for this is how this happened and this is how that happened and this is how Marty met Doc and, and so forth. Uh, this is how Doc got the plutonium. All those things which fans want to know. And um, it is, as I tell people, it is 
as much canon as anything can be when you have a malleable space-time continuum. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob, how much? So how much? So you talk there about you know that there's there's quite an appetite from the fans, isn't there, to know this and to know that and why that happened and why this happened. Um, you know, does that does that influence your thinking when you're working on projects like this? Um, and does it and does that add a bit of pressure in case you don't deliver? Well, um, we're, I've never been worried about not delivering. Yeah. Um, it's just to say, okay, this is what's on fans' minds, and um, a lot of a lot of this is, is is the same stuff. I mean, the you know the question about. Um, well, gee, if if uh, they if they hid the DeLorean, if Doc hid the DeLorean in the Delgado mine, why didn't they go back to the mine uh, <laughs> and get the gasoline out of it, right? And it's like, wait a minute. Um, uh, I mean, I keep getting asked that question, and it's answered in the book. But you know, the answer again for those that don't know, <laughs> the two-part answer. One part is if you're going to put a car in storage for months, much less 70 years, you drain all the fluids out of the car. As you, you know, you ruin, you ruin the car if you leave all the gasoline, the oil, and the brake fluid inside. You have to drain it all out or the car is going to rust, corrode, and go to hell. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the automotive answer. And the, the uh, temporal physics answer is that, um, let's say for the sake of argument that the gasoline was in there, but if Doc were to go back to the mine and while they were uh, digging out the DeLorean, he broke a component on on it, that would create a time paradox. Uh, uh, and the consequences could be disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, that question, and Michael Clasterin, I'll tell you, that question is asked on the Back to the Future um, Facebook pages. Yeah. Every day, <laughs> I'm sure. Every so, day, you know. Go ahead, you know. Cut, cut that clip out of me here. Put it on there <laughs> over Just... and over and over again. Oh yeah, of course, duh. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll we'll clip that bit and pin it to the top of the um, to the top of the, the Facebook pages. <laughs> straight from the source. Yeah, exactly. Straight from the source. Um. Bob, talking about DeLoreans, there's a, there's a new TV show coming out, isn't there? I saw a trailer for this the other day um, on Discovery Plus, I think it's coming out on. Yes. Yeah, that's a new uh, streaming service that Discovery has. I don't know if they're going to run it on the regular channel or not. Um, they were so excited with how the show turned out that they, they rushed it. They uh, advanced the post-production schedules to get it out. All right. Uh, I believe it's coming out on March the 15th is the, is the date. And uh, I, I, it's really entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, the host of the expedition series on Discovery, a guy named Josh Gates, uh, he's traveled all over the world, you know, going to archaeological sites, going to all kinds of interesting places. And uh, they decided they want to do a, a Back to the Future show. Mm -hmm. uh, where they were going to try to track down uh, all of the DeLoreans that were used in the movie. So that's sort of the through line. And then there's a uh, there's another part of the show, 
which is the idea is they need to get one to donate to Michael J. the Michael J. Fox Foundation yeah. to raise for Parkinson's research. So um, it's a four part series. Uh, there's a lot of cameos and, and guest appearances by folks, including yours truly in the first episode. And um, uh, Christopher Lloyd is the co-host with Josh. Uh, he's terrific in it. He's really funny. Uh, he's playing Doc Brown, and it's you know, people. People are going to have a great time with this. Uh, so is Chris actually playing Doc Brown in the show? Well, yeah, it's kind of an it's it's kind of a gray area. All right, where, okay. <laughs> uh, I can't exactly explain it, um, it because I can't. Um, <laughs> not not because uh, I'm not allowed to, because it's um, as I say, we have the uh, the very malleable space-time continuum uh, where <laughs> anything can happen, including Josh Gates running into not only Christopher Lloyd, but Dr. <laughs> Brown. So, you know, take, take that one and, uh, and have a few beers and uh, see, what, see what happens when you wake up tomorrow. <laughs> what, what's the name of the show? Uh, it's called Expedition Back to the Future. Expedition Back to the Future. And I was reading about it earlier on. Uh, let you say you're in it. You feature in it, Bob. Um, Michael J. Fox is in it too. Yeah, he's in the fourth episode. Leah's uh, in it. He's in there. Um, uh, uh, James Tolkien, Mr. Strickland is in there. Uh, Don Fullove, uh, Mayor Bully Wilson, and uh, uh, Harry Waters Jr. Uh, all, all those guys are in it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I ho I'm, I'm hoping that it's being shown here in the UK. I believe we do get Discovery Plus. I think it's on Sky yeah. um, over here. Yeah, I don't it? know if it's on TV or it's streaming only. I mean, if yeah. it's streaming only, anybody should be able to get it any place in the world. And if, you know, if, you, if, you're, uh, if your service doesn't allow you to, to stream like that, you know, uh, kick up the old VPN and <laughs> your device is coming from... Uh, from New York City, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. So that's out in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, really excited about that. Um, and uh, what I was going to say was, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you about this because I know you get asked about it a million times, and it's it's well, it's a well uh, worn path, you know, about sequels and reboots and all the rest of it. But the reality is that we get our Back to the Future fix from the books, from the comics, yeah. uh, from the TV shows, from the games. Uh, we don't need or want uh, <laughs> a Back to the Future form mm -hmm. or a reboot. And, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, fan base who I sort of interact with are all of the same opinion. Uh, we don't, you know, the trilogy is great as it is. We don't need any more. Um, and we're getting what fix in all these various different ways. And one of those ways, which has been absolutely superb and count myself very lucky to have uh, seen it in person, is the, the musical that was on in Manchester. Uh, uh, yeah, it was last year. <laughs> yeah, a year ago, one year ago. Yeah, one year ago. And it was uh, February the 20th, I believe, was the very first night. That's right. Um, yeah, That's and right. and it was um, sensational, amazing. Uh, what you know, not just the show, but the buzz around it, 
Um, you know, there was a lot of fans there, a lot of super fans from all around the world were there. So oh, it we, was. We sold out every bit of merchandise in 48 hours. They yeah, I think. could not believe it. I think Jack <laughs> bought most of it. Yeah, I've got. But you know the music was so spectacular. How how did whose idea was that? Where did that come from? The music because I remember reading about it and thinking, I would never have thought of that in a million years. The idea of doing a musical actually came from uh, Bob Zemeckis's wife Leslie. Right. Uh, this was way back in two thousand and five. Uh, they saw uh, the producers uh, on Broadway. Right. Uh, which is based on the Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. And she said to Bob, boy, this was really good. Um, would you ever think about doing, uh, turning Back to the Future into a musical? And Bob said, hey, let me mention to Bob Gale and see what he thinks. And I said, yeah, that sounds like that. Yeah, let's explore that. So that's, that's how it started. Uh, so we have to go way back to 2005 for that. And um, it took us this long to get it off the ground because uh, like all things Back to the Future, if it's not going to be great, we don't we don't want it out there. Yeah, um, we've we've had the experience of the of the uh, notorious 8 bit Nintendo game cartridge. Um, <laughs> one of the worst video game experiences uh, in the history of video games. And um not as bad that, as et though not well, as bad as the et game uh, <laughs> et had at least a better excuse because they wanted to grind it out to grind it out in six weeks which is ridiculous but yeah nevertheless um uh seeing bad back to the future merchandise uh and tie-ins um is 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 one of the things that you know it's like a stab wound right into my chest so um I'm going to make sure uh, any, any way I can to ensure that anything that says Back to the Future on it is quality. Yeah. yeah so, so, Bob, can I just follow up on that? Um, you said, so obviously it was conceived around kind of 2005, eh, 2005 and then kind of 15 years later we, we get the musical. But so having been at the, the premiere, the, the premiere night and one of the, the best experiences I've ever had of, you know, of theatre, definitely, or the best experience. Um, and I don't think I'm putting, throwing any spoilers out there to say that the, the, the time travel sequence is something that I've just, it blows all away. And I think there were tears in, in the auditorium, you know, it was incredible. So that visual, just achieving that was, I mean, that was a mammoth task in itself. So was that, was part of that waiting for that, that, that perfection? That was the, the length of time it took, you know, so that you were having that, that kind of spectacle on stage. The, the, the tech just wasn't there before. Well, um, part of it was, um, you know, Bob and I were total novices when it came to, um, you know, musical theater. We didn't know how to mount a show. Uh, we didn't know who did what. We didn't know who was important, who wasn't important. Um, so it took us... Uh, a long time to find uh, a producer that we were comfortable with. Uh, and it turned out to be Colin Ingram, um, who, who's based in London. And um, uh, our lyricist, Glenn Ballard, who had worked with Bob Zemeckis on Polar Express, uh, had worked with Colin on Ghost the Musical. 
and came to us and he said, I think I found the producer who would be perfect for Back to the Future. So we met with Colin and we liked him a lot. And then the next, the next quest was to find the right director. Uh, and we had a false start there, uh, thinking that we were actually going to have the show ready for 2015. Um, but uh, there were creative differences with the first director that we hired. So we took two giant steps back. Uh, and uh, Bob, Al Silvestri, Glenn and I really put our heads together and said, you know, we really need to take a more active part in controlling what this show is going to be. So we spent um, we spent a long time uh, working through a version of what we thought the show should be. Uh, we put a showcase on in um, uh, 2017, I believe it was, uh, invited Colin over. We, uh, we taped it. Uh, Colin had the tape. So this was uh, a bunch of professional uh, performers doing about seven, eight, nine songs most of which are actually still in the show. Uh, uh, and, and Colin could take that around uh, and show that to potential directors. And finally, uh, it fell in the hands of John Rando, uh, who's based in New York. Uh, and Rando absolutely got it. Uh, he flew out to California with Colin. Uh, Glenn and I had a meeting with John. John's enthusiasm was through the roof. Uh, we knew he had the right attitude. He had the right sense of humor, so we hired him, and then, and then, uh, you know, then, it, then it all picked up steam. Uh, starting in uh, this was in, I guess, February 2018 is when is when John came on the project, uh, and then uh, uh, we, we just, you know, kept going and going and going and going. Uh, and what has been the one of the most rewarding experiences of putting the show on and why I think it's so good is that everybody that we hired on the show, they're all back to the future fans, right? Yeah. So, you know, our, our production designer, our visual effects team, our lighting guys, cast, of course, they all were kids when back to the future came out. So they love the movie and they're thinking to themselves, wow, this is an opportunity for me to work and pre help present this uh, in a format that nobody will has ever seen before. And it's going to blow people away. And they're also thinking, I'm not going to be the guy that messes up back to the future. So <laughs> they're going to give 150, 200% because they don't want to be that guy. Say, yeah, the show was great. Except for that stupid damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, why, 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 who decided Manchester was the place to uh, debut it? Well, uh, this was kind of the model that Colin and Glenn used in Ghost. They premiered oh, right, Ghost okay. in Manchester. Uh, the Manchester, they said the Manchester audiences are fantastic. They will tell us everything we need to know uh, to make sure that we've got this thing on the right track. It gave us a chance to put in front of a, you know, a, of an enthusiastic audience and also to just be able to see, okay, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? So, yeah. for example, the, the version that you saw on February 20th, uh, the version that we had on press night three weeks later uh, is about 15 minutes shorter than the version that you saw. 
because right. watching it over and over again with an audience saying, oh, this is a little slow. We can make this better. We can fix this transition. Uh, and that's part of the process of, of theater, yeah. In, yeah. which, you know, you don't we, we don't get to do that in movies. Um, you yeah. know, you take your best shot and, yeah, you get to, uh, you know, do some re-editing after your first sneak preview. And maybe if something didn't work at all, you go back and you reshoot something. But, we're, you know, we were in a position to say, well, um, let's try a different joke here. That didn't get that didn't get the kind of laugh that we wanted. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and John would say, Bob, think of a different joke here. So I come up with a joke <laughs> and we test it the next night. And if it worked better, we'd leave it. And if it didn't, say, I think of something else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can, I can remember, um, you know, reading about the musical and that it was uh, tickets were going to go on sale. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that, that sounds great. Oh, it's in Manchester. What? <laughs> it's, it's a here in the UK. How lucky are we that th that this is you know where Back to the Future the musical is going to be uh, uh, debuted? So lucky. We love the UK fans, and one of the one of the convincers for me was uh, Secret Cinema in 2014, um, and that was uh, I came over for that. Uh, I, I went three nights in a row. Uh, the the fan enthusiasm for that. I couldn't believe it. And then in 2015, uh, when we were celebrating the, the 30th anniversary, they actually re-released Back to the Future in theaters in the UK. Um, yeah. And, and it played it played for two weeks. Uh, yeah. And it made, you know, it made, you know, several million more quid for us there. You know? <laughs> yeah, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> Those Brits are nuts. <laughs> of course, I can we, remember. We have that <laughs> in 2015 um i think it was at the edinburgh fringe festival um was back to the future uh, with the live synth symphony orchestra right in edinburgh uh, yes I, yeah and my wife and i went to that and i'm not ashamed to say i wept at that experience because it was it was so fantastic honestly it was it was perfect, and when I when I came out at the end, I was on the edge of my seat all the time, and I was watching. I think I was watching the orchestra more than the movie, um, and it was just so emotional. And I came out afterwards, and, and I said to my wife uh, that there's no other way to watch that movie. It's it's the perfect way to watch that movie. It absolutely blew me away, blew me uh, away. I, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, when I. When I saw it that way the first time, for me, it was like the first time I saw the movie. That's how electric it was. Uh, yeah. it, it was mind boggling. And this, this, believe it or not, was at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, and there were wow. 15,000 people there. Wow. Biggest audience, wow. to my knowledge, that ever saw Back to the Future at one time. It was, yeah, uh, yeah it's, yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, knock on wood, we'll get, when when we get the theaters reopened, we'll have concert venues reopened. Back to the Future in concert, we'll be back on the uh, on the circuit, and uh, Great. Uh, you'll everybody get a chance to experience that too. Yeah, uh, you know you're, you're saying that the musical is coming back to London. Um, I, I had my tickets for the first night again. I don't, yeah. unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get there though. 
Well, we don't know exactly what the dates are going to be at this point. Um, but my understanding is that if you have tickets for the opening date, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the new opening date is going to be, uh, those tickets will still be good. Because oh, okay. that's 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 I asked that question. That's what I was told. I'm, I'm, you know, that's not it's not really my department uh, to be absolutely 100 percent sure about that. But uh, believe me, everybody associated with the show is totally understand. We understand why people buy a ticket for opening night. And so the thinking is, hey, if you bought a ticket for opening night uh, and opening night changes, it should still be honored on opening night. So, you know, knock on wood, uh, we, we will be able to post uh, a new schedule uh, in the next couple of weeks and uh, uh, you will still be able to get that opening night experience. Excellent. That's, that's excellent. That's good to know. Bob, can I just ask, um, you know, the, the casting of the musical, it's it's just so on point, it's incredible, and just there's obviously so much work going into getting these these actors to play these roles. It's just, you, you couldn't, having seen the musical, you couldn't imagine other people playing those roles. Are, is, are all the cast returning for the London, um, and then are they there for the foreseeable future? or all, all, all the principal cast, yes. There's a few members of the ensemble uh, that, that will not be back. A couple of them have gotten... Uh, uh, two of them, as a matter of fact, have gotten uh, really nice gigs in uh, in Frozen, the musical. Uh, uh, certain people uh, have uh, have other commitments, uh, and um, yeah. But in terms of you know, uh, Marty, Doc, George, Lorraine, Goldie, Jennifer, um, yeah, Biff, they're all going to be back. Awesome. They're all going to be back. <laughs> and then Dave, yep, they'll be back too. Good to know. That's great. And Mr. What, what, him too, yeah. <laughs> what, what is and what what is the have any of the cast did any of the cast uh, cast from the movies see the show? No. Um we had planned to we had planned to get some of them over, but you know, once uh we'd hoped we were gonna get Christopher Lloyd over for uh, press night and get Claudia Wells over sometime mm -hmm. in April or May, but you know, COVID obviously yeah. uh, interfered with all those sort of plans. People yeah. that plan to come over from for the states for press night, they didn't come over because by that time, um, people were too uh, concerned about COVID to, yeah. to want to take that risk. So, uh, yeah, we're we're looking forward to getting uh, getting the cast to come over because. I know Huey Lewis wants to come over for it, um, and um, everybody everybody wants to see it. Yeah, something I keep seeing mentioned um, on the sort of about the future forums is uh, people wondering if there's any plans to you know release a, a Blu-ray version of this of the musical or uh, you know a CD of the music or something like that. Well, yes, there there will be a soundtrack CD eventually. Um, we have obviously the studios have to have to reopen so that it can be recorded right <laughs> yeah um but yeah that that is definitely in the works as far as putting it out on video we're we're in no big hurry to do that no um you know you've been you've seen it you understand why yeah. you need to be there you need Absolutely. to be there to have this experience and we're just worried yeah well people watch it on video they're not going to go to the theater no you got to go see this in the theater 
you know, maybe yeah. five, six, seven, eight years from now, that might we might think differently about yeah. that. But for but for for the foreseeable future, this is the theatrical experience that yeah. you must have. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the experience the experience was made even better, Bob, because uh, it wasn't until the show, uh, you know, the, the music actually finished. Um, I realised that yourself and Alan Silvestri were sitting behind me. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I was actually mooching around to see if anything was going on backstage, uh, <laughs> trying to be a little bit cheeky. Um, but then all of a sudden, it was like the the, the people were leaving. Were you the guy that picked my pocket? <laughs> I'm kidding. You I'm got kidding. it. You got it. Um, it. People were leaving, but then all of a sudden it was like Jurassic Park. Everybody started went like that, and I said, "What? What's happened there?" And my pal turned around and said, "Oh, Bob Gale and Alan Silvestri are over there." So that was it. I was straight over, and I was I was giddy as a school kid uh, with my program, uh, waiting to get it signed. <laughs> signed. So you were, you know, that was fantastic as well. You know, you were really generous for your time. Um, signing things for people, and it, it was it, oh, it was it was an outstanding night, outstanding night, so great. Well, I can't wait to be back there uh, to do it again at the Adelphi Theatre in London. Yeah, Adelphi, th yeah, and yeah, in London, um, can't wait, absolutely can't yeah, wait. We're, we're we're both part part of the, the the fan group on Facebook, and during the Manchester run, literally every night someone was post posting a picture with. Uh, yourself you know it was like bob bob's here tonight bob's here tonight it seemed to every single night you were you were in the audience was that conscious? Oh, was, or just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah 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 no we're, we're we're still refining it every night and i was there and every night i would sit someplace else in the in the auditorium because i wanted to see you know what what does this look like from the balcony what does this look mm -hmm. like the very highest seats what are there are there things here that i'll see that uh that we need to fix so that everybody wherever they're seated uh gets you know as good of a back to the future experience as possible so i'm always thinking about the audience making sure that folks have the best possible time that's awesome yeah i think i think by about week three it was common knowledge that that bob's going to be somewhere so it was it was spot bob <laughs> every, every night it was, it was spot bob where is he and it was, that, that was part of, part of the fun <laughs> so so musical aside bob what, what is there anything else in the future for Back to yes, the future. Anything else in the Netflix. pipeline? Netflix uh, has has filmed a show. They have a series called "The Movies That Made Us." Um, oh yes. And they did uh, they did Ghostbusters and Die Hard and um, uh, Dirty Dancing and yeah. Home Alone for the first season. Uh, so so uh, this summer uh, they're going to do Back to the Future uh, as an episode of their second season. So, so we film that, and that's that ought to be pretty, pretty enjoyable, just the same as as the first season was. And, and yeah, I, I love that show, and I'm friends with a guy who who does that show on Facebook, and he did drop me a little cheeky hint that that was <laughs> something in the works. <laughs> um, so looking forward to that. Anything else? Any books? Uh, can we look forward to any more books or? We like what toys as well. Uh, what well, action know, figures? We, we, my wife calls the, them. My wife calls the, them dolls. I call them action figures. There's <laughs> the uh, 
there's the Back to the Future Transformer. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, which is a really cool toy, I must say. Um, uh, I don't know when that hits the market. The, again, the, the, the COVID crisis uh, disrupted their, their yeah. supply chains for that. But it's a DeLorean that converts into, into a Transformer. And the, uh, the chest of the, of the robot is the flux capacitor. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very well, very well done. You can't uh, so go that, wrong. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, the, boy, you know, after that, I mean, we're focused on, on really the, the musical is the, is the primo thing yeah. uh, that we want to get going. And then once we have, we have it up and running again in London, then, you know, we want to, we want to look at, Getting it on uh, on an international tour, uh, bringing it over to to uh, to Broadway, New York, uh, and uh, you know having that become a worldwide phenomena too. So yeah. uh, that's about as far into the future uh, as my thinking takes me right now. <laughs> so uh, you know, Ian, Ian, um, oh, there's, a, there's a person here called I Ian. Forgot. I know, you know, I forgot, you'd have been in trouble. Um, Ian, who did the, the Doc Brown brain analyzer for the musical, you know, the prop that he built. Um, right. Well, he's used his time quite constructively um, over lockdown. I'm not sure if you saw this. Um, I hope I can share a screen. Oh, wow. My goodness. Yeah, That's full, fantastic. Full scale. Wow. How big is that? That's full size, right? Full scale. Full one, size one, one. Wow. So, yeah, that, that was built over lockdown last year. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's Ian and Mike from DeLorean and Prop Hire. Mm -hmm. They have done, and the, they put on Facebook last week. Guys, that is absolutely incredible. They put that's on they, they put on Facebook last week that they weren't really planning on doing the interior, but but lockdown got extended, so they have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's like eating those crisps, you know. Once you start, if, if you end up finishing the bag, whether you wanted to or not. Yeah, that's it. Once you pop, you can't stop. Um, but but yeah, they, they have a website. I think it's um, Time Travel Train. If you Google that and on Facebook as well, there's there's a lot more pictures and video of the, the full thing. So where where is that? I'm not yeah. on Facebook. I don't do social well, media. So yeah, anybody so, who's trying to find me uh, and thinks that you found me on Facebook, it's not me. Uh, <laughs> Good to know. Um, just I was trying to find it. It's on Facebook. Uh, sorry, um, it's got its own website. Um, just trying to find the exact address. Well, for what, you. I, what I can do is, Bob, where, I'll find. Where does I'll it find actually it. exist? What what part of what part of the UK is this in? Um, where's where's Ian based? Is it? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Is it Manchester? Is it Manchester? Yeah, I think, I think it's it in Manchester. Is. Wow, this should have been at the this should have been at the uh, at the science museum where we had our. Where we had our press night party. Of course, it wasn't finished at that time, right? Yeah, that's right. But you can, you can. I'm sure they'll manage to get it down to London if you can find a space for it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of uh, that would that would be un unbelievable to have that down there. Yeah, I think I think they would be more than happy to to do that. Um, um, so I'm, I'm struggling to find it on Google here just now, but I don't know if you could send on the link. To yeah, I'll, I'll send Eric at Insight a link to the website, Bob, and he can, he can forward it on here if you want to have a look. Yeah. Great. Listen, Bob, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. 
Uh, I've been after you for a little while to get you on the podcast. I'm so pleased. Uh, with Michael's help, of course, so pleased to finally oh, hey, listen, get you. This, this, was the, this was the primo time to do it because we had a lot to talk about, a lot to promote. And uh, I'm sure that uh, once the show is up and running again in London, we'll do this again. Uh, and we'll convince any slackers out there <laughs> who tickets that they need to get their butts in gear and uh, get themselves uh, down to the West End in, in London and uh, and uh, have the musical theatrical experience that they will never have the likes of again. Sure thing. Absolutely. And good. And good luck with the book as well. Uh, if you speak to Joe, give him my best. I will, and I'm going to call the publisher right now and say, why don't we have this thing for sale in the UK? So um, we'll see. We'll see whether you know I have any pull or not. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Bob. Uh, take okay, care, thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Adam. Yeah. Jack, good to thank talk to you. you. Thank you, Bob. Uh, See you in the future. <laughs> I sincerely hope so. All the best. Okay. Bye-bye.